everybody. Welcome to the Hogbeat Hour podcast. I'm Nikki Chavanel here with Andrew Hutchinson. We're from hogbeat.com, the Arkansas Rivals site. Um, I hope everyone was able to get in on our really good um, holiday deal. It was, you know, 25 off your subscription and you got some Nike money. So we hope you got in on that. If you didn't, um, you can still get 30 days free anytime with code HAWGS30. And I think you're going to want that because right now these like next two weeks are some of our busiest times at Hogbeat. Uh, you know, the football season is wrapping up and then, you know, Arkansas might make a bowl game. Sam Pittman certainly thinks they're deserving of one. Um, and then, you know, hoops has started and coming up in 12 days is the early signing period, which these days has become much more busy than the late signing window. Uh, so a lot of stuff. Get get in on hogbeat.com, code H-A-W-G-S-30. Hutch, hello. We took a week off uh, because the team took a week off, but here we are. Um, it is Missouri week. Arkansas is traveling to Columbia, as are you. Are you excited for that trip? It's an easy trip. You know, I can't complain. So I think it's uh, – According to MapQuest, it's five hours, so it's it's mostly mostly interstate except for the last last little stretch. So uh, not too bad. I'm looking forward to. It. I'm looking forward to being on the road again. I, I haven't been able to travel to any of the games this year. Yeah, and uh, this one's convenient for you because you have a friend over there, right? Exactly. I've got a buddy who's going to school up there, and so I'm going to crash at his place, and uh, you know, and I get to see him a little bit before uh you know cover, covering the game is your friend like i don't know talking shit <laughs> because <laughs> of uh you know i'm sure he wants missouri to win being a student well i mean he he's uh he's going to grad school up there he actually graduated from arkansas undergrad ah, and so he he and he's also not like a he's not a big sports guy he's he's one of my wife's really good friends growing up and we've gotten close you know ah, since an I've intellectual known my wife so yeah he is <laughs> Yeah, he he's a smart guy. He's going up there to to in vet school. He's going to be a veterinarian. So nice. Um, so I guess we should get this little debate out of the way. Is is this becoming a legit rivalry at this point? I kind of feel like it is, but I know a lot of people will still say no because it was manufactured. But when you look at how often these two teams recruit against each other, and like just the recent additions of you know Barry Odom and Sam Carter and um, Brad Davis and these guys who came from Missouri it certainly seems like there was just more heightened emotion for this game yeah I mean it's if if they if the SEC if Arkansas if Missouri had not come out and like forced it upon the fan bases I think right now we would be in the early stages of a rivalry um, but because they came out and they forced it, because they, you know, replaced it, you know, they made Missouri, Arkansas's Black Friday opponent. Uh, you know, obviously, it's not that way this year, but, you know, normal years, it's the uh, post-Thanksgiving game uh, opposed to LSU. Uh, they slapped a fancy name on it with a corporate sponsorship, and they made a little fancy trophy. Uh, without all that, if they had just let it kind of develop naturally. I think this would be 
moving toward a rivalry. I mean, you mentioned all the connections on this year's staff. You know, Drinkwitz, uh, Missouri's coach, is from Arkansas. Barry Odom, former head coach there. Brad Davis, Sam Carter. Uh, you've got Arkansas guys, Akil Byers, Markel Utsi, uh, uh, Barrett Bannister on Missouri's roster. You've got Missouri guys on Arkansas's roster. And then last year, I think, was a great example of what – you know, needs to happen for it to be a rivalry and you get Jonathan Nance transferring from Arkansas to Missouri and convincing Kelly Bryant to go there instead of coming to Arkansas. All of these things kind of contribute to the natural dislike of the other place. And uh, Arkansas fans definitely don't like Missouri. Uh, They talk so bad. Like they're like, I want to beat these guys so bad. We're so above them. Like we're, our program's way better and then you say, oh, well, it's a rivalry. Like, no, 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 no. We're, we're above them. This isn't a rivalry. And I think that that hatred right there kind of shows that, yeah, it, it can be considered somewhat of a rivalry, but it, it needs to develop naturally. So the, um, the first two games in the, in the four-game streak that Arkansas has lost, they were much closer games. And in the last two years, I think it has really been detriment to the, to the Razorbacks to have to play it them late in the season, because by that point, the, you know, the teams of the last two years have just taken a cliff dive at the end of the season. And there's just not a whole lot of uh, competitive spirit there left for Arkansas. But this year is a much different story. Um, Arkansas is trying to become bowl eligible. Um, you know, I don't know how many SEC tie-ins there are to bowl games left. So, you know, games like this are really going to make a difference. Um, but Missouri is riding a little bit more momentum than Arkansas is. Arkansas had had to take that week off, um, while Missouri, they got, you know, a nice win over Vanderbilt, albeit Vanderbilt, but, you know, they <laughs> – they hardly let Vanderbilt cross midfield, so the defense is probably feeling really good. They put up 41 points. Their de- their offense hasn't put up that many points very often this season, so it just feels like they have a little bit more momentum. Um, and Arkansas, I mean, they need to they need to get fired up for this game somehow. Yeah, I mean, Missouri has won, I believe, four of their last five games. Uh, It helps whenever you're in the East because you get to play Vanderbilt. You get to play South Carolina. You get to play Kentucky. All these teams that Arkansas missed out on, uh, they get to play those teams. So that helps. uh, That builds confidence. I mean, Missouri feels probably pretty good about themselves, but I think Arkansas should still feel pretty good. Obviously, the LSU game was a little bit disappointing. Uh, that was a game that I, I still firmly believe had Arkansas been 100% healthy, you know, no COVID issues or anything, had, you know, actually a handful of defensive linemen, uh, then I think they would have won that game. And then we're, we're talking about Arkansas also having a lot of confidence because, you know, obviously they lost to Florida the week before that, but Florida's just so dang good right now. Uh, but they, you know, they've, they've taken care of business against teams they should take care of business against. So uh, it, it, it's going to be an interesting matchup. It, it is probably going to be Arkansas's last chance to get a win in the regular season because I don't see them beating Alabama next week. Uh, so hopefully what? they'll get fired up and, and be, be able to knock off uh, Missouri and snap this kind of four-game losing streak. Arkansas and Missouri seem like just very similar programs to me, like where they are at this point in history, you know, 
Um, besides, I mean, I've never been to Columbia myself. Maybe you can speak to this. Um, is it is it a nice college town compared to say, you know, Oxford or or Starkville? I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I actually went up there over Thanksgiving, uh, the day after Thanksgiving, to, to see my friend, and uh, we had already had made plans before the game got canceled. But uh, I made the comment uh, to my wife. I said, you know, this Columbia has a similar feel to Fayetteville. I mean, it's colder because it's further north, uh, but it has a similar feel. I mean, it's a good college town. You know, good places to eat. Uh, I think Arkansas has better facilities. I don't think that's a debate as far as athletics are concerned. I read today that the uh, board is, you know, considering the indoor facility that Drinkwitz really wants. And I'm sure Barry Odom was calling for it as well. Welcome to the SEC, Missouri. Yeah. Nice yeah. of you to join us. Uh, they're working on it. I mean, their stadium too. I mean, it, it's okay, but it's not like what you expect to see in the SEC. I mean, I right. honestly, I, I get they, they have kind of a Big Ten feel to them. I mean, they, they care about academics for one. Um, and also, I mean, just their facilities and everything. I think they're trying to be more SEC-like in that regard uh, and, and props to them. And so uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I mean, but it, it is still kind of I, I personally, I, I think it's a, a nice, you know, col college town. I always enjoy you know, going up there for football and basketball games. Um, and then in terms of recruiting, it, it's also a very similar situation. I actually think Missouri, you know, on average might even have one or two more D1 um, talents just because they have, you know, some, some big metro areas. Well, I heard, I heard yesterday uh, a stat that I think from – uh, 2007, like for the, for, for about of a, a decade, they had about an average of two four-star recruits each year. And then in the last three years, like since 2018, they've had an average of like six four-star recruits. So Missouri is kind of trending a positive direction and definitely produces more than Arkansas because as you mentioned, the, the metro areas of St. Louis and Kansas City. And it seems like Drinkwitz is doing a better job of keeping the top players in the state. Um, so it, it seems like, you know, both programs are just kind of at a similar spot. But like you said, Missouri plays in the other half of the conference, which is significantly easier. Um, it, there was a sense of camaraderie between fans briefly at the beginning of the season when it was announced that, you know, Arkansas would get Georgia and Florida and Missouri would get Alabama and LSU and of course because of course they would stick it to these two teams but then you know LSU turned out to be a very um, you know beatable team um, in the right circumstances so you know not not so similar um, so and a Missouri win over them yeah yeah a win over them would just kind of like solidify that where they are in terms of like the tiers in the SEC, because Missouri's on the rise, and I think if they beat them, they would also. I mean, it's obviously considered on the rise compared to where they were, but still, like, more of a statement. Yeah, I mean, it, it, honestly, I, I made this comment. I uh, talked to the Power Mizzou guys for their podcast the other day, and and I made the comment that this game is kind of the the battle for who's going to win SEC Coach of the Year. I mean, I could see wh whoever wins this game has kind of the inside track. I mean, unless they decide they want to give it to Jimbo or Dan Mullen or Nick Saban or something, but that's kind of boring. Those those teams were expected to be good. 
I think everyone expected Arkansas and Missouri to kind of suck this year, and if that's been far from the case. So uh, Arkansas needs to if, – if they win this game, I will go to my grave saying Sam Pittman should be SEC Coach of the Year. A really um, interesting part of the storyline is, you know, um, Barry Odom came over here as the defensive coordinator and he left behind Ryan Walters, who is his defensive coordinator, who stayed on on Drinkwitz's staff. So, uh, you know, Drinkwitz has a lot of info, not only on just, you know, the, the scheme that Barry Odom runs, but like what he wants to do on third down and like what his tendencies are. And so that's that's going to be an interesting element to the game. But of course, you know, Barry Odom can do the same for Sam Pittman. Exactly. And I mean, you also, you also have to mention like guys like Brad Davis and Sam Carter on the staff. I uh, can't remember. I think we were talking to, to Bumper Pool the other day and he mentioned that uh, Brad Davis has kind of given them some pointers on, Hey, here's what these linemen like to do, their tendencies, things like that. So uh, there's definitely a lot of ties. There's not going to be any secrets, you know, for this game. It's going to really come down to who can line up and, and whip the other guy across from them. As impressive as Arkansas's defense has, you know, improved over over last year, Missouri's defense looks really solid. Um, they They obviously didn't do well against Alabama and Florida, still put up a lot of points against them, but just – you know, they have Nick Bolton, one of one of the highest graded linebackers in the SEC. Their safeties are pretty good as well. Um, their defensive line is pretty decent. So just like overall a really solid unit and in a very similar scheme to what, um, you know, Barry Odom does. So it's going to be interesting to see how much Felipe Franks can throw the ball around. Um, you know, when I was writing the story on him this week, I was amazed because his deep ball percentage is so good, but he's only thrown a deep 11% of the time. It just doesn't seem like they're taking advantage of like the biggest weapon, but I mean, they have the routes. It's just potentially that the throw isn't there. Like I, I don't go back and look at all these, but I'm sure there's an opportunity for it and the guys just aren't getting open. Yeah. I mean, I would like to see them throw the ball deep a little bit more, but you know, then again, if they throw it deep more, uh, that probably, you know, the percentage probably gets hurt because you're not going to, you know, complete as high of a rate, you would assume. I mean, because he's been absolutely incredible. I mean, pro football focus has him as the, the third highest graded deep ball passer in the country behind uh, BYU's quarterback and Oklahoma's quarterback. That, that's pretty good company to have. So uh, you'd like to see him attempt it some more. Uh, it really hurts not having Davion Warren. You know, he, he was such a good deep ball threat just because he was so fast he could get open. You know, maybe we see T.J. Hammonds running more deep balls and he got open for the 51-yarder the at LSU. So uh, maybe, maybe we see them try to take some more deep shots, you know, especially if they, you know, that, that's the only way they can move the ball. I mean, they, they need to be able to run the ball and they, they struggled against LSU. Uh, hopefully they don't have those same issues against Missouri, but Missouri's got a pretty good, as you mentioned, good defense, good defensive line. Um, we haven't even mentioned it yet. The biggest story of the week, uh, Rakeem Boyd opted out of the final two games of the season. And I didn't actually hear that it was true until um, Monday, but I had a feeling like this weekend when we were seeing Terrace Marshall 
opt out at LSU and then several other players opted out. I was just thinking, man, with the season that Rakeem Boyd has had compared to what he had wanted it to be, I could see him opting out. And then lo and behold, he did. And um, it's odd timing. You just have two games left. But I think maybe during the week off, he was like, you know, I could just be training and not have to worry about anything else. Finals were probably coming up. I don't know. Does he finish those or does he just get to not take them? I don't know. I guess you take them anyways. But I feel like if you're already this close, you might as well finish. Well, that's what you say about the season too, but here we are. (laughs) Well, I mean, at least the, you know, finals aren't going to, you know, potentially result in a knee injury. Yeah keeps you from playing in the NFL. So, I mean, I, I get it. it. It's tough. I know fans don't like it, uh, but you know, look at it from his perspective. He is an injury-prone guy. He's probably That's probably going to be the thing that hurts him the most in the draft process, more than even this year struggling. I mean, people are going to – I think scouts and NFL teams are going to look at this as a COVID year, give guys a pass. Uh, so, we'll see – uh, how how where he ends up you know if he gets drafted or if he has to go the undrafted free agent route but you know at least he's not going to get hurt in a basically a meaningless Missouri and Alabama game I know fans don't view it as meaningless but in the grand scheme of things uh, doesn't really mean a whole lot so uh, I, I mean I, I hope he does well and I hope fans remember him for actually being a, a very good productive running back for Arkansas I mean he's 14th on the school's all-time rushing list uh, one of the top 10 in yards per carry in his career. Uh, so he's been very, very good. It's just unfortunate his two best years were two of the worst years in school history. Um, and I know a lot of fans, you know, were making the point, well, you know, he's a team captain. That's not something team captains do, you know. And I agree, you would never see a guy like Grant Morgan do something like that. But, you know, last year when Chad Morris would pick team captains every single week I think Rakeem Boyd was only a team captain like maybe a couple times he didn't view Rakeem Boyd despite being a very very good running back as one of the team leaders especially not very often so that to me signaled that you know that's just not really who he is he's just a really good player um, and like he just does his thing I don't think he necessarily tries to rally the troops I don't think he does that kind of stuff but it makes sense to me that when the players got to choose their team captain they naturally went with you know the quarterback that's going to lead them even though he's only been here for a few months and then also your leading running back who you assume is going to have a pretty good season because it just it makes sense um and then Grant Morgan obviously he's been a team leader forever even though he's only just now a captain so uh to me the captaincy was just kind of a title I don't know how seriously even he took that but um to me it makes sense I'm I'm always gonna favor uh the athlete because they their careers are so short especially running backs Um, I think you got to go get that money when you feel like it's the right time for you. And if you're not running at a hundred percent with all the effort that you can give, it's more likely that you'll get hurt. I think so. Um, Best not to play, I guess. Exactly. I mean, he got hurt earlier in the year, had to miss a game. Uh, I don't know if he was ever fully 100% healthy. You know, then he had to miss the LSU game because of, you know, COVID. 
Uh, there was no game last week, so you're saying you're two weeks off coming back. Uh, do you want to risk, you know, having an injury that could, you know, potentially keep you from playing in a senior bowl or uh, participating in the NFL combine, things like that. So, uh, yeah, it, it makes sense. And I'm like you, I always give the benefit of the doubt to the player. Um, you wrote a really good story on Grant Morgan this week. So I'm going to give you the opportunity to, um, to brag on him a little bit. Grant Morgan is one of the most incredible stories of the season. Uh, I think in the SEC, honestly, I mean, being a former walk-on a guy that was not really recruited, you know, Air Force offered him, I think, but, you know, it's a service academy and then a bunch of, I think maybe a couple FCS and several D2 schools were, were recruiting him out of Greenwood and, uh, kind of like his brother. His brother was actually a, a scholarship guy at Arkansas, but Grant came here as a walk-on, earned his scholarship, uh, decided to, you know, st you know, stuck with it, uh, earned a role in the two deep. Uh, he was a guy that was going to be uh, start out as the starter in fall camp. And I think everyone, myself included, kind of thought that, you know, Levi Draper, the, the grad transfer from Oklahoma would come in and take that starting job at middle linebacker. But he, kind of held him off and, and not only held him off, but now is putting together one of the best seasons we've ever seen by an Arkansas linebacker. And that is not me being a prisoner of the moment. I mean, you look at his numbers and they're incredible. He's already got 104 tackles leading the country. Uh, and uh, that's with in eight games, he's got a couple of games left. He's on pace. If you include a bowl game to have like 143 tackles, something like that, uh, which is just an incredible amount I think it's top five single season in school history with most of the guys in front of them being in the 1960s uh, back when everyone was playing against the wishbone and linebackers racked up a million tackles so uh, he is uh, an incredible story and obviously tackles aren't everything I know it was a big topic with with Scooter Harris the last couple of years he was always you know first or second in the SEC in tackles but was always like a second team all SEC selection and I always thought that was fair because yeah, he had a lot of tackles, but probably because he was a linebacker. You know, you just – you get tackles like that. Uh, and so, uh, Grant Morgan, though, has, has graded out really well on pro football focus and I think is is completely deserving of first-team All-SEC honors and, you know, being one of 16 finalists for the Buckus Award. That That is just absolutely incredible and nothing that anyone could have expected before the season. Yeah, and those guys don't just look at stats. Like, they, they know what they're looking at when they're watching all these linebackers. Um, and you see the contrast because, you know, Bumper Poole has a ton of tackles, but he also has a lot of missed tackles. And I'm kind of thinking, like, if Poole misses a tackle, it must be Grant coming in a lot of the time to assist on those missed tackles um, and luckily holding them to, you know, short yardage. Um, but – Another thing for Saturday, you know, you're going to get to watch, you know, Grant and Bumper. And then on the other side, you'll have Nick Bolton. Um, so, you know, some really good linebackers out there on the field. Uh, but we won't see safety Jalen Catalan for the first half of the game. Um, I was hoping that, you know, they would move Alabama to this week and then Missouri um, next week so that uh, – Catalan could miss the first half of the Alabama game instead but the more I think about it looking at you know Missouri's offense like they're pretty good 
but they're not lethal. Like they're not Florida. So if Arkansas can just lock down for one half, just have an amazing half and then Catalan comes on, I think it'll juice them up. Um, I think, you know, they could limit it as much as possible. Someone mentioned that one of the freshman safeties is out. I assume that would mean Miles Slusher, but I have no um, corroborating evidence on that. The the one thing that I have heard for sure is that uh, Felipe Franks has been limited this week um, due to some rib injury sustained, which I assume had to have happened um, in the LSU game because you know, they hardly had any contact last week. They were mostly doing walkthroughs. So it must have happened then, and he's still uh, recovering. But um, here he's good to start. So as long as he doesn't take, a, like, a really hard shot, uh, he should be all right. Um, what else from the injury report this week? I think they're pretty much healthy. Uh, I'm trying to think. You know, Noah Gatlin's probably the biggest question mark right now. It does not But he's been sound, out for a while. Yeah, so. he's been out for several games now. Uh, and it doesn't sound like he's going to be back. It sounds like Bo Limmer is going to be back, uh, but it's, I think Ty Clary is kind of locked down that, that spot at right guard, uh, so he could just at least be a, a depth guy there. So uh, that, that's really, you know, other than that, everything else was COVID-related, and it sounds like they're going to get everybody back. Obviously, things could change, uh, but sounds good for right now. Um, offensively, you know, Missouri is starting a freshman, Connor Basilak. I think that's how you say his name. I, I change the accents around on, on different syllables every time I say it. But, um, you know, he's got a really good completion percentage. I think it's like, you know, in, in the mid-60s, something like that. So um, he's been really accurate, only two picks on the season. So, um you know, Arkansas is going to have some work to do. He gets rid of the ball quickly. Um, and, you know, if Missouri is smart, knowing how uh, good Arkansas is at getting turnovers, they will likely run the ball um, a lot with uh, Larry Roundtree and, and Tyler Batty. So, you know, there's there's weaknesses there. Arkansas isn't great at stopping the run. Um, and then I expect, you know, Connor will open it up once they establish the run game. So it's going to be a very competitive um, game, but I certainly don't think it's, you know, unwinnable. Like Arkansas is very much in this game. I think the line opened at uh, minus three for Missouri. And I think it's stayed, stayed there pretty much throughout the week is, is minus three for Missouri. And I think you're right. I think it's going to be a close game. I know, uh, before the season, when I made my uh, preseason predictions, I picked Arkansas to win this game, and I actually picked them to win pretty handedly. Uh, I don't, and but now I'm not so confident about that. I, I still think Arkansas has enough to get the job done, uh, but I'm not sure if I would pick them to win by you know multiple scores. Missouri is depleted, um, from what I hear. Um, Gabe Darman, the um, publisher at Power Mizzou, he told me they could be down to like 61 scholarship players, but he only mentioned a few um, key guys that were questionable, um, and I don't even remember them as like standouts. So, um, should be a pretty good one on Saturday, and that one is at 11 a.m. in Columbia, and I believe it's on. SEC network and we'll have a live thread going of course on the trough 
Um, Hutch, let's um, hit some basketball real quick. Um, you covered the game on Wednesday night between Arkansas and UT Arlington. Um, what were your biggest takeaways from that one? Yeah, I mean, I, I think this team has a lot of options. And, and I think we saw that uh, kind of play out on Wednesday night against UT Arlington in that, you know, Vance Jackson did not play well. Uh, I think he uh, went 0 of 5 from the floor, something like that, had several turnovers, just did not play well. Uh, Connor Vanover only played 12 minutes, was fantastic offensively, had 12 points in 12 minutes, uh, made a couple of threes, uh, but he was being exploited on the other end of the floor uh, in the way UTRLT was using his pick and rolls and things like that. And so uh, you got him out of the game and then you, okay, well, who, who you got now? Well, you put Jalen Williams in there. You got another 6'10 guy coming off the bench that that's able to play and give you good minutes. And he didn't really show up in the stat sheet very much, uh, but he, he played well. And, and, and Eric Musselman was very pleased with how he looked. And uh, you had Moses Moody finally break out of his shooting slump. I mean, he had, I think he averaged like 13 and a half points the first couple of games, uh, but he was doing all of it at the free throw line. He was only shooting like 23% from the floor. Uh, finally had a really good shooting night, made his first six buckets uh, against UT Arlington and, and, and played really well. And it just kind of goes to show you like, you know, guys, uh, some guys will, will play well like that. And then you got JD Note who played very poorly in that game. Uh, so it, it's just kind of one of those things, you know, some get some days it's going to be one guy and the other day it's going to be the other. So uh, I think it just kind of really showcased the, the kind of the depth where if one guy's off, another guy's on. Yeah. You just have to keep your, your defense up and hope that, you know, you don't have everyone off in the same night. You, you have to find something that works for you and, it, and they should with all those options, you know, Musselman's a great coach. They should absolutely be able to find something that works for them. Um, they face lips, Lipscomb, is that how you say it? Yes. On um, Saturday at 5 p.m., uh, they are, I think, the you know the third worst team Arkansas has faced so far this year. So um, Arkansas should win handily. I believe they have a 90.3% chance to win, something like that. Um, we won't cover the game, actually. We'll have Jackson Collier, our, our hoops contributor, on that game because we'll have you know done the football game, and that's – you know, we have to live our lives at some point. So I'll be we'll driving probably, home. <laughs> yeah, we'll probably be bring Jackson onto the podcast next week. We haven't heard from him yet this season, so we'll get his early thoughts on the season. I know he's planning out, uh, you know, a season predictions now that he's uh, seen what the guys have in them early. Uh, Muscleman, yeah, he sounded not happy when we talked to him yesterday, uh, but you know he. He said, Danielle keeps reminding him, you know, this is a very new group, a lot of new faces trying to establish their roles, probably, you know, trying to do too much maybe in some areas. Um, and so you, he just has to kind of rein them in. And if he has to have a three and a half hour film session on eight minutes that they played really poorly, then that's what they'll do. Uh, Musselman's not afraid to rip into his players either and you know what we heard from him yesterday is probably just a fraction of what he's actually said to their faces so but it is refreshing it was, it's very refreshing it, to hear honesty from a coach like that 
it was a very interesting press conference because usually Eric is so upbeat and chipper and, you know, making jokes and everything. But I mean, he just looked, I don't know. He didn't look like he slept very well. He, he didn't really look happy. As he said, uh, he was still fine. Gave us, you know, really good answers to our questions and honest answers, as you said. Uh, but he just wasn't himself. And I, I left that thing going, man, I am glad I'm not a player. Uh, I would love to be a fly on the wall in that film session and in the next practice. Uh, but I'm glad I'm not one of those players because he is probably going to rip them and be really hard on them because, you know, they, they have to be better. You can't go two of 17 over the final 10 minutes of the game and expect to beat anybody other than a UT Arlington type of team. I mean, he has the respect of his players and he has the culture already established that this isn't like he's not going to baby them or coddle them to the media, you know, like some football coaches, even if players have poor games, they'll still, you know, treat them real nice. They'll, they won't want to damage their confidence, but Musselman has no problem doing that. And I think it's pretty funny. And I think it's more prevalent with basketball coaches. They're just really tough on their guys I've noticed yeah I mean you, you see a lot of, I'll just say Dave Van Horn does it too I mean Dave Van Horn and Eric Musselman are very similar in that regard they don't care if you were a five-star top-the-line recruit or if you're just some walk-on who you know wasn't recruited by anybody if you are playing better in practice or if you're performing you're going to get the playing time and he's going to tell you and tell the media oh well so-and-so needs to play better. And that's as simple as it is. And then we saw that with, with Musselman in his press conference the other day. It was, it was fantastic. Uh, the Razorbacks are moving up in, you know, the various uh, statistics uh, website rankings. You know, they're 27 on Sagarin already. Uh, they got only two votes in the AP last week, and it might take them all the way until conference play to actually get into the top 25. But looking at their opponents for non-conference it to me as long as they stay focused which can be tough um it seems to me like they should enter conference play almost unscathed yeah I think really the the biggest challenge you know after they got through north Texas I thought that was going to be a, a decent challenge uh, the road game at Tulsa next week could be difficult Tulsa had a really good year last year and obviously they're coached by Frank Hafe a guy Arkansas fans love to hate, um, and uh, it's on the road too. So uh, that's going to be a challenge. But other than that, I mean, there really aren't, you know, until you get to Oklahoma State, which is in the middle of conference play, uh, there really aren't any games you look at and say, ooh, I, I don't know if Arkansas could win that. All right, everybody. Remember, signing day is in just 12 days. So subscribe to Hogbeat now. Stay tuned with all the latest developments. Um, Hutch drive safe to Columbia. We'll have live updates on the trial. He'll have, you know, roll call and everything. So, you know, if anyone didn't make it, who is important to the game. Um, thanks everybody. Thanks for tuning into the hog beat hour. Catch you next week.